All right, it's time for your favorite new podcast. Yep, you think you know, but you have no idea about the glorious town of Philadelphia. Welcome to Love and Grit, everybody. Hi, we're here. Yes. And who is we? We be we. My name is Laia. I'm Justin. And Rachel. Yeah, and you're going to get to know us. We're going to be your guides through this experience of getting to know this town a little better in ways you never know. We're going to have some real fun. We thought we could start each podcast by doing lightning rounds on our Philly favorites. Yes. So let's do bakeries and boutiques this time. Let's start with... Bakeries. Rachel, your favorite? Um, Denise's Bakery. They have pound cakes and pies. And at one point, the North Philly establishment closed because there was a fire. But they rebuilt it and love it. Fourth Street Cookies. That's it. Anywhere you can find them. Reading Terminal, uh, the Fourth Street Deli on Fourth and Bainbridge. You can find them all over this They're glorious city. They're the biggest city. cookies. They are the best cookies. And let me tell you something. If you get to Reading Terminal after 5 o'clock, happy hour, they are $1.50. You're welcome. <gasps> Mine's in Northeast Philadelphia, Stocks Bakery. It is a Philadelphia staple. They make the pound cake that you need to have at every holiday function with your family. Oh, I love it. Okay, Boutiques. I'm going with Scarlet Alley. Um, if you need anything from a wedding gift, baby shower gift, um, jewelry, candles, they're the place to be. I love Scarlet Alley. I'm going with Sable Collective right downstairs from where we are right here at Rec Philly. Uh, they are everything black, female, and dope. Uh-huh. Mine is called Open House. It's on 13th Street in Philadelphia. You can go in there and get a gift for any occasion is what I need because I never know what I want. So you just walk in, find something. All the little knick-knacky stuff, mm-hmm. people love. I think they've got to know us with those answers. <laughs> I think we did great. That, that was pretty fast. We think ready. we're great. But we hope you do too. <laughs> yes, because we've done a lot to prepare for today's show. It's a lot going on to introduce you into the things that you think you know about Philadelphia, but you have no idea of all the dope things that we do here. Speaking of all things fabulous in Philadelphia... I'm already calm. From what, Justin? This amazing bowl sound. I can't remember what it's called officially. So wait, let's bring it down to the people because (laughs) right now you're hearing a sound, but you don't know this is the most calming sound that you've probably heard in a very long time. Correct? Coming from the sounds of the Four Seasons at dawn as the sun comes up over the infinity pool. You see, myself, Rachel, and Justin, we're taking on a journey, people, to the Four Seasons. 57 floors above the city. Yes. Picture us all in Terry, Terry Cloth. Is it Terry Cloth, y'all? Yes. yes. Terry Cloth robes, slippers, and on our best behavior. You told us we had to be good. Because I didn't trust you. I didn't want you to embarrass me, okay? I didn't want you to embarrass me. Did we? No. No. I think it was this sound. Yeah. It was so calming. It. I don't ever chill out, honestly. I just don't. You're you don't say. I, you know what? I got enough of the two of you already. A little hyper. I know I am. It just comes naturally. But for some reason, that totally chilled me out. Like, yeah. it really, like, it was like taking a drug. And, That's true. And again, the visual, you guys, you have to imagine us in our robes or whatever, sitting on the at the pool and Rashi. The infinity pool. The infinity pool with crystal interior designer Rashia Bell as we dive into a story of how a North Philly girl is bringing the zen to the Four Seasons. Hi, my name, yes, is Rashia. I am an energetic interior designer. I'm a crystal healer. And I've had the opportunity to bring both of those things to the Four Seasons property here in Philadelphia through helping balance the space within the spa 
energetically as well as providing crystal healing experiences for the guests that come here. We should probably say we're on the 57th floor (laughs) of the Comcast Technology Center and the water lapping in the background is the infinity pool (laughs) which allows you to look over it and see the entire city on top of it. Or the fact, that's right, or the fact that we saw the sunrise. Like where else could we be and have this amazing view? It's, It's amazing. So for centuries, people have used crystal healing and we know that it's so hard to just take a moment for your yourself, we were able to experience the singing bowls, I'm going to call them, in about an hour, and it has changed my life. Like, I am ready to start my day. So what would you tell people, clients, that why is it so important to experience this? Yeah, I mean, I would say first and foremost that you can create an experience in any amount of time. It's really about intention. It's about connecting to your intuition um, and, and trying to balance your energy in that way. And so sounds through singing bowls, crystal singing bowls is a beautiful way to do that um, when you have that luxury, but also working with crystals on your own in your meditation and your practices. For me, as you said, because crystals go back to all ancient civilizations, they realized and revered different stones for their different energetic properties. And so I think we can find ways to incorporate that into our everyday, whether we're holding a stone while we're drinking our coffee, whether we have the opportunity to come here and actually experience a crystal healing session with me. Yeah, it's and pretty it's, special. It's interesting, too, because even with the experience that we had today, did you like do you design it specifically for the person? You were talking about how each bowl is different, has a different sound. But this morning, why did you do something specific for the morning, the day? Like, how does it work? Yeah, I mean, I would say for me, when I play the singing bowls, it's something that's very intuitive. And so no two experiences are going to be the same. Um, obviously, when I do have the opportunity to work one-on-one with a client, we can sort of really cater to what they're emotionally experiencing, um, what they're going on in their everyday life and so we have a conversation about that beforehand to see how we can use the sound how we can use the stones themselves when they're placed on the body to access deeper layers of the subconscious to help them feel more balanced to help them feel more harmonized and they were gorgeous you had a lot of different colors but it's just the tip of the iceberg because the walls are filled with crystals (laughs) there are actually crystals in the walls we embedded over 700 pounds of crystals within the structure of the spa Um, And the first question that comes up is why? Um, And largely as a designer, when thinking about the space that the spa is in, and we're in this amazing Comcast building, it's a building that's about technology, it's a building that's made of glass and metal. And so we wanted to think about how we can really create a restful space within the spa in particular. And so crystals are of nature, they hold energy based on how they're naturally created by the earth. And so we wanted to take this space within the city and bring the nature indoors to help create some of that balance. And so each treatment room has a specific stone aligned to the energy of that particular space. It also happens to align with a chakra within the body. So, Rashia, I have to ask, how does a Philly girl like yourself get into 
the crystal lifestyle? You know, it's funny. I think a lot of it has been a part of my journey. Um, I One of my first jobs was in jewelry, and so I was around stones, just not exactly in this way. But I think for me, it was really sort of merging two passions. Obviously, my jewelry background when I became an interior designer and wanted to sort of think about spaces and how we could actually affect the energy in them. Um, I decided to see if there was a correlation uh, between stone energy and how we could affect how people feel with spaces, sort of similarly to what people are used to with feng shui, um, if they think of that energetic tenant of design. And so for me, it was about how we can merge aesthetically the elements as well as energetic ones. And so I happen to think crystals are beautiful. Even if you don't understand what they do, they're they're beautiful to look at. And I think that alone can create an emotional response. It can create a particular experience. And so even if you start there. Everything is so enough. calming. Yeah, I, mean, I, I feel calm and I am not. <laughs> well, that's what I was gonna say, you know, when we were subtle. when we were walking into the four seasons, I, you know, asked Justin and Laia to be on their best behavior. And I feel as though I feel as though the crystals and the singing it, they made an impact. I was gonna ask we, I didn't know the correct, what was the correct thing to do as you're doing the singing bowl? Should I be meditating? Should I be, should I not talk? Should, I didn't yeah, know. No, it's up to you. It's up to you and how you feel. Sometimes people are lying down. Sometimes people are sitting. Sometimes people are meditating. I think it's, you know, we're in this beautiful environment where, as you said, we had the water sounds as well. And so that was also adding to the sound experience. And so essentially what they're both creating is a vibration within the room. And so um, it's something that you feel no matter what you're doing. Thank you for this experience. This is beautiful. Thank you, yes. So here we are, early morning, in the center city for a season. As we watch Justin get a, what is this, Elizabeth? This is a, a nano gold face mask from Nesco Skincare. Our guests are enjoying it as an enhancement to their treatments. It can be applied either during a massage or a facial. Jay, you look like you're going to a masquerade ball. <laughs> it really just boosts your collagen levels. It's just going to make Justin's skin appear brighter will be minimized. It's really great for depuffing if you've had a long night. Okay, so Justin, to explain to the fellas, they don't just have treatments for the ladies. You yourself have I had never done a mask before. Right. It makes a difference. And see, you got a gold mask. We should we should say this. Like, this is the four seasons, so they gave us one-of-a-kind masks. Each of us had a different part of our body covered. <laughs> Rachel had yeah. muffs on her. That's right. Like, hand muffs. First of all, so it, it was, you know, it made my hands extremely soft, but then I couldn't fix my hair or brush my hair, so you guys let me walk around oh, four seasons fine. in my hair. We've been having this mess. fight for a week. She it's the truth. It's Listen, the truth. you can't have you, your hair you perfect wonder, all the time. Oh, but I can. And you wonder why there's a mirror on the back of my phone because you guys aren't good friends and don't tell me brush your hair. Rachel. That's true. I, I mean, I do. I <laughs> I should have said something. You did. But you know what? I was so calm from the sounding. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it, it was, was really like chill. So as our mission here on Love and Grit is to keep you in tune with all dope and wonderful things that go on in Philadelphia. Justin and Rachel and myself continue on to this mission, correct? Yes. Correct. This is our mission. We choose it and accept it. Um, so we recently hopped into one of our favorite car services, Hey Lift, <laughs> to head to see what is all this hype about a museum that celebrates the color girl? What does that even mean? And how does one turn a multi-level historic home into a 
Museum. Well, listen as we are welcomed and guided by Color Girls Museum founder and visionary, Vashti Dubois. You know, one of the things that I say usually upon entry is that this museum celebrates the ordinary, extraordinary colored girl. Yeah. Because um, Oprah will have a museum she should. Yeah. Toni Morrison will have a museum she should. And countless other sisters whose names we know, but the ordinary colored girl who's done so much for so many for Mm. so long, she deserves a museum. And it's really important to understand how creating a space to celebrate our ordinary selves is so important. We do once a month Sunday tours, and we do tours of 10 or more by appointment only. The only day we're off for admin is on Monday. And uh, typically we do what we're going to do with you today. Not as fast as we're going to do it with you, but we do a tour of Take the your museum. Time. Mm-hmm. And this is, you're in the Toni Morrison exhibition. What we've done is we've dedicated every room in the museum to one or two of Toni Morrison's books. You can see that this floor actually belongs to Sula. Mm. So we asked artists to submit work that there was some quote that moved them in some way, and that's the artwork that came into the room. So there are a couple of things you're going to see in every room, and if you know the books, you may notice what some of the clues are, and if not, you know, you'll learn in the second part of this exhibition what the clues are in every single room that actually speaks specifically to the books. The dolls where the mom is, uh, the kids are doing each other's hair? Yeah, so this is actually a piece by Nastasha Swift, and it actually came into the museum maybe two years ago. We asked her to create for us an iconic Black girlhood moment. Sunday ritual. Right. And so, exactly. I just think this is priceless, especially the whole sort of composition of the girl's body tells you everything you need to know (laughs) about what's happening in this. It hurts. I'm tender headed. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Two hours later. Exactly. The cotton, you're going to see it throughout the museum because of the history of cotton as it relates to black folks in this country, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It is the space where the economy of this country was built on the backs of black folks. So it feels important to reference it. Also, people, I mean, when we talk about enslavement, we don't necessarily also dig into what black women were doing, right? right? And one of the things, right, because um, our hands were smaller. Mm -hmm. So children and women actually were really important to this work. Oh my goodness, this room is so warm. (laughs) It might be a doctor's bag. I don't know what this is, but it looks good. I love that the bag caught you. Okay. Yes. That good leather. Yeah. Well, the bag actually has um, a, a pretty charged story. It came into the Colored Girls Museum for our show, Urgent Care, where each of these rooms was named after a space that you might find in the hospital. So this room was actually intensive care. And the doctor's bag was submitted because artifacts that are submitted by ordinary colored girls are a really important part of this museum. Mm. The first time I was ever called colored, I was at my college and a woman said to me, oh, you're new here at the university. I'm like, how could you know that with the thousands of students? And she told me. There aren't too many colored girls that come here. Oh, wow. That was the first time oh. in my life 
I was called colored. That's ill. You kind of young to be called colored. That's ill. That was, but I wear that with pride. Yes. Well, here's the thing, and I will get back to the bag. The way that we use colored here at the Colored Girls Museum, we're really thinking about the action, the Mm -hmm. way that black women and girls are literally colored by everybody. Yeah. How the world takes is Crayola crayon and just colors us too loud. Decides for us. Colors us too problematic colors us not in need of protection just colors us and how you know sometimes we'll take that same crown and color each other yes we will so it is colored not because we don't know the history of the word both here in america and in south africa Mm. but because we're really calling our attention to like what it means Mm -hmm. to be colored by a world that actually decides for you who you are and so what i want to say about this bag is that a friend of mine submitted this her father was one of the first black OBGYNs in Oakland, California. This was his doctor's bag. Wow. And his sis, his his daughter went on to become a physician as well. And so he passed this bag on to his daughter. <sighs> the daughter was actually um, killed in a domestic violence um, event. And this came into the Colored Girls Museum to bring the spirit of the doctors into the space, this father and the daughter, but also to... To begin to cure, to work on that memory. Because one of the things we say about the curatorial practices of the Colored Girls Museum is that we put the cure back in curation. Vashti, do you guys make a a conscious effort to also include like Philadelphia artists? We really, really do. This This is is LaVette Ballard, went to University of the Arts. This is Makiba, actually a New York based artist who lives in Philadelphia now. And the featured photographer in this room, Asia Walker. This is her ancestor, her great-great-grandmother, also a Philadelphia-based artist. And then above the chair, this is Barbara Bullock, who is the grand dam of the black arts um, community here in Philadelphia. And we're just going to peek in the colored boys' room because... The colored boys? There's a colored boys' room? There's a colored boys' room. It's full of superheroes. Oh my goodness. The story of Colored Boys is integral. And the the curator and the performance curator for the Colored Boys Museum are both black men. This collection is actually Ian Friday, who's the performance curator. You know, he said when I was growing up, we didn't have action heroes. So when they started making black action heroes, he said, I just decided I was going to collect all of them because how important is it to be able to see yourself? So wait, can we describe this, guys? What you don't know is that we are looking at a case full of black action heroes, which takes a long time to accumulate. It does take a really long time to accumulate. And so what we have here are all of the sisters. Oh, my God. These are all of the female superheroes. I I thought it was just Jean Grey. I didn't either, but these are the girls. There's like a spider down. woman. Yes. Spider Woman, hey, Green Lantern. Oh, I see. Our oh, Butterfly girl. girl was the first black action hero. I see Zoe Saldana from Guardians yep. of the Galaxy. Yep. You're black today, boo. Well, just so you know, and, and for folks who are coming to visit us, one of the things that's happening in March is that the museum is beginning to be overtaken by portraits of the ordinary colored girl. So we're working on a series called First Time Ever I Saw Your Face, named after what I consider to be the consummate love song by Roberta Flack. So we asked artists who are proficient in the portraiture medium to identify a girl between the ages of seven 
and 21 and to have her sit to have her portrait done. <gasps> we ask both the girl and the artist to keep a journal of what that experience is like. What is it like to be looked at? You know, who gets to have their portrait done? True. Who do you have to be to have your portrait done? Well, you have done? to come to the Color right. Girls Museum. Yeah, you got to come to the Color Girls Museum <laughs> because the ordinary color girl is getting her portrait yes, done. Right? Yes, yes. Um, and one of the reasons we do this is because people look at the color girl all the time, but they don't see her. So, I mean, that's what's so really powerful about this is that even the idea of creating a museum for ordinary colored girls, like people actually had to like think about what that would look like. We are a public ritual for the protection, praise, and grace of the ordinary colored girl. Mm -hmm. And the ordinary colored girl is at the bottom of most things. So Mm -hmm. this museum is not in a conversation about whose life is worse. What we understand is that black and brown girls are at the bottom. And if you want to change the world... You have to start with the least of these. And when you start with the least of these, you raise everybody up. I love the fact that this is dedicated to the history of an original art by Black women and girls. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And it was a really special place. I mean, there's so many unexpected things in that house, (laughs) which is like a a microcosm of Philadelphia. Like, there's just so many things here to see and do. I'm so glad I know about it, and I'm going to tell a lot of people about it. But are we really surprised the city of sisterly love? Come on. We know we have a lot of places that are geared towards women, highlight women, and your sister friends. And this is definitely top on my list. True. Not surprised, but happy that it's there. Thank you, Vashti. All right, so our next segment, guys, takes sisterly love and mixes it with the perfect amount of innovation to squash that age-old stereotype that women don't know and don't want to know how to fix their cars. Right, Rachel? That's not true, right, Rachel? Well, not anymore. Judgment-free zone. <laughs> well, listen. Do you drive? Okay, I can drive. Whether or not I choose to drive is a different When's story. When's the last time you drove? Oh, my goodness. Dang, we never even thought about you behind the wheel. We didn't even wheel. talk about this with Patrice. I didn't know you didn't even drive. I, okay, so you guys are so rude. Do I have my license? Yes. Do I have a car? Yes. But I have a but husband. if I was just about no, to No, she's say, got public transportation. I have Uber, Lyft, SAPTA, Amtrak, and, and Rob. <laughs> we need to get us a Rob. We do need to get us a Rob. But in the meanwhile, I got me a Patrice Banks. And I'm glad for that because thanks to Patrice Banks and her girls' auto clinic, ladies now have solutions to all their auto concerns. A safe space for all their auto needs. And you can get you a Manny and Petty while you wait. Yes. Mm. Don't look at Justin's nails right now. Don't do it. <laughs> Yo, and we aren't the only ones who peep the dopeness of Patrice. In the last few months, this Philly native has been featured in Glamour, Allure, she and was on the cover of People. She sh- yes. yes. And Fabulous. she's the face of a couple of national TV campaigns. Shout out to Lean Cuisine. So, Rachel, Justin, and I headed over to Patrice's super dope shop in Upper Darby. Yes. And then Patrice sat down with us to school us on the real on the auto industry. Do you guys know that women are the number one customer of the automotive industry? More women hold driver's licenses than men. I know that scares, like, guys, right? Because there's more women on the road, but... In fact, we're the number one driver on the road right now. We right, buy more brand new cars than men. We influence 95% of the car buying decisions. We hold it. the wallet a lot of times, even when we we're in a couple. We dominate yeah. this industry financially. 
but yet we don't have a voice, we don't feel empowered, you don't have women owners, you don't have women executives, they're not making decisions for the future when it comes to electric cars, self-driving vehicles, even though the future of these vehicles are going to be women. So there's just a lot of problems that we want to help this industry solve by empowering women. The moment I met you, I was like, okay, I've never met a woman like this in my life before, and definitely not a woman with this mindset and this ambition to do this. So yeah. I was like, yeah, we got to put it on radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I just started getting all this press, um, and somebody heard me or saw me on CBS or some news, and it was a literary agent, said, I'd like to bring you on my team and, and help you get a publisher. And we first pitched to um, Simon & Schuster, and they published the, right away. They were like, absolutely, we love it. We got a book publisher, and it's crazy because I was not expecting this, but the year my book was released was the same year we opened the shop. Wow. At the time I was writing the book, I found the shop location. I found female mechanics, so this was kind of all happening at once. Do you feel like times are changing for women Absolutely. in this area? Absolutely. I just think it everywhere. Yes. Yeah. I tell people in 2000 and I think it was 11, I typed in female mechanic into Google. The first thing that popped up was the 10 top stock images of female mechanics. And of course it was like women in bikinis. bikinis next to cars, <laughs> oh, right? Wow. Cut off um, jeans. Right. Oh, wow, wow. I couldn't find a woman mechanic online, but now you go on, you you type in female and mechanic, Patrice's girls auto clinic pops up first. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. It does. Like it I, does. we pop up first. You should. Um, you go to hashtag Hashtag female mechanic anywhere on like Instagram, you'll just see this group of women now, like this movement starting. Wow. Even my hashtag, hashtag Shecanic, which is what I call my car savvy ladies once they're kind of learning about their car right. and they feel empowered. It's all over the world. I have women in Ghana hashtagging Shecanic, Nigeria, Brazil, wow. China. Like women are ready for this. We're kind of at the forefront of this women's empowerment movement in the automotive space. Have you seen you know, like the physical fruits of your labor? Like have you seen somebody else try to do their own girls auto clinic in other in another town well like, there's none like this in the world actually in the world um, Love so it. there's I've been then it's mainly because I'm kind of crazy right like I'm super ambitious like yeah, you are. I'm gonna disrupt an industry that you know Ford alone is a billion dollar company and I'm we've got Ford and you know Volkswagen and all these other brands that I'm trying to get to pay attention and then of course people like Tesla and Apple and Waymo that are the future of transportation how do we get them to pay attention you know it's a big task I'm, I'm a big dreamer right. and so part of the reason that uh, you know a lot of other people haven't done this is because it's intimidating it's scary people don't know where to start and I'm just naive enough to put myself out there and be like I'm gonna do it and then start doing it which is really the people who change the world right yeah, they're naive yeah. enough to be like I can do it you're like a foremother <laughs> you're a foremother in this industry in that way well I'm just yeah. like I don't I don't know what it is I just 100% believe that this is necessary and I was meant to do this right I was put here on earth to create this company to help women to, to make this change right to make this is my contribution kind of it's so. so special not only the concept but when you walk in mm -hmm. it's just you feel comfortable and it's right. gorgeous and usually when people think of women they automatically oh pretty and pink and pink, that's not yeah. what this is yeah I didn't want all. pink at all this I is brown red this yeah. is a big deal it's bold <laughs> yeah. I love um, it some of the haters sometimes say to me you know you're just 
trying to be sexy in your heels and your tight pants. And I said, I'm not trying to be sexy. I just am sexy, right? Like, this is, this is whatever you want it to be. I mean, there's a lot of Patrice in here, but just because I wear heels, I'm being me. I'm being authentic and I'm sharing my story and my experiences and people can relate. I just want you to explain to people the significance of you staying at home, the significance of you starting a business at home in Philadelphia and why you continue to be here. Oh, yes. Philly. I love Philly. You know, so I'm from Philadelphia area, Philadelphia area native. I've lived all over the country, but keep coming back to this city. I actually have my shop is in Upper Darby, and I really wanted to have it in Philadelphia, but we're one block outside of West Philly, right above 69th Street. It's a cheap lift. Uh, very, very cheap lift. And it was smart to do that because we get a lot of people from the city and the suburbs, where if I was in Philly, I don't think the suburbs would come in for like car repair. So a lot of people come in from Philly. Um, I'm always representing Philly, right? We've got a TV show that... Um, picked up based off of the book a pilot with Elizabeth Banks and yes. wow. brothers so exciting. yeah and I'm like we need to Elizabeth base this Banks. in Philly but um, I'm so proud to like this to be the first location right this to be what I call home I would love to be able to join like the Philadelphia kind of elite that have brought a lot of fanfare and this is uh, people you've already done it I'm not a Tina Fey level yet but I'm trying I mean, to you're get you're on the cover of People magazine <laughs> and people don't know Tina Fey's from Philly most days and really? did I say that but they- I'm just saying that she screams it out. Yeah, you're some respect on that. Yeah, yeah. Please, you are. I I just haven't reached my goals of where I really would like it to be, Mm -hmm. right? And so, uh, you know, Girls Auto Clinic, I want it to be a household name. There's still people in Philly that don't know about me, right? So how can we just get out there more, let people know that we're here. We're not just in Philly, right? We are going to be expanding, but this is where it all started. Please let people know where to find Girls Auto Clinic, where to follow you, like where. Okay, so we've got, a ton of places for you to find information about us, but mainly we're at girlsautoclinic.com. Our social media across the board is at girlsautoclinic. But we have a specific location for just ladies, sorry guys, where women can engage with other women mechanics. It's a Facebook group. It's called the Sheetanic Facebook Community. Go in there, ask any questions you have about your car, if it's making a noise, if a mechanic's asking you and telling you you're going to need something that's thousands of dollars. You can go in there, ask your question, a female mechanic answer. It's a whole support group of women that's awesome. really helping other women. It's a great resource wherever you are in the world to join our Chicana community. But other than that, you can follow us across the board at Girls Auto Clinic or email us, info at Girls Auto Clinic. We're here with any questions you may have. What I thought was really dope, and I think, Rachel, you mentioned this in the interview, was the fact that this is not a pink, girly spot. This is not okay. It's an auto garage. Exactly. That's right. And I loved the decor. Like, it really plays off of grit, but then a the chic. salon decor. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I mean, instead of instead of pink, she used red. Mm-hmm. And the the brick walls, and it's like okay when you first walk in. Of course, you think of like a mechanic mm-hmm. or a shop, whatever. But then we're walking. We're walking. Oh, hello. What is this? Hello. It's the perfect look of love and grit. And speaking of the perfect uh, love and grit, I think that's the perfect way to close the show. Yep, it's already over. Can you believe it? We'll talk to you next time. Promise. Mm-hmm. Miss you. Love you. Love you, too. You said that kind of gritty, Justin. I like that. Wow.